Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything didn't move. I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right another day, and we have got a preseason game to break down as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 197. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I join Ben Fennell and Chris McPherson to break down what we saw not only here today at the NovaCare Complex for Saturday practice at training camp, but also the preseason opener against the Tennessee Titans. A lot to unfold here in today's episode. Let's get to it now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, guys. Well, like I said, a lot to unpack here from the last few days here at the NovaCare Complex. Uh, I'm thinking we'll start with practice today since it's what, mo- what is most recent. But I want to hit on the game as well. Obviously, the Eagles uh, losing the preseason opener to Tennessee. The win-loss doesn't really matter. But really just about <laughs> what we saw uh, from the game. So, C-Mac, I'll go to you. Just uh, takeaways walking off the field for practice this, uh, this practice morning. Practice today. First and foremost, great to see guys like Derek Barnett. Yep, And Ronald Darby back on the field. Darby participating in seven-on-seven drills. Barnett doing a little bit more. So from an injury standpoint, those guys, because you look at the game the other night, you basically had almost like a Pro Bowl roster. You have guys who didn't play in the game. Some just held out, some due to injuries. But you're starting to get these guys back and healthy because, again, September 8th is the key to make sure the guys are ready for that date. So getting those guys back on the field, especially where you already have some competitive roster battles going on. Cornerback's been very good with Rasul Douglas, Avante Max, and Sidney Jones out there being the starters. Defensive end, very good. We saw great things from Josh Sweat and Deshaun Hall the other night, and Sharif Miller even. So, so it's great to see that you're adding more to the mix there. The other player who made some plays the other night and continued that, which is what you want to see, and that's J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. It seemed like every period, every whether it was seven-on-seven team, he was making a big catch, showing you know great route running, coming up with plays along the sidelines, you know, becoming you know a quarterback's great friend by showing a nice catch radius. So consistently making plays through practice. Because the biggest thing is now you want to see these guys who – you know, we're getting just accustomed to the NFL a couple weeks ago. Training camp, the routine. They now got a game under their belt. They know what training camp is like. They know what to expect, and they're going out there and just continually making plays on a daily basis. So, so first and foremost, seeing some of those injured guys come back, and then guys like J.J. Ortega Whiteside continue strong practices, uh, strong performances from Thursday night's game. Yeah, I know you. Uh, you were pretty impressed with what you saw from from J.J. as well. It seemed it did. I see Max right. It did. It did seem like every period. J.J. would come up with a, a nice play, whether it was over the middle of the field or along the sideline. Yeah, a lot of plays working the sideline, good awareness and coverage, zone coverages, able to make the tiptoe grabs, good hands. Like you were saying, quarterback's best friend. He's kind of that player that can win down the field, outside of the numbers, over the middle of the field, can do a lot of different things. And I think he's in a great situation that there isn't tons of pressure for him to be a 
major contributor, but I think he has a skill set to definitely work in. Yeah, you know, early on that first period, the offense just wasn't in sync, right? You had no. a false start, you had some incompletions. It was a completion from J- to JJ along the sideline uh, that really kind of got things going, and then they came back. The ones came back out, uh, and Carson Wentz completed the last two passes. I think it was to uh, Zach Ertz and to JJ uh, to close out the period. But uh, seemed to be a little bit of a spark plug, and even uh, he caught a couple passes from Cody Kessler today that were really impressive. Ben, I know that we saw a couple of throws um, from Kessler today that were pretty impressive. Seemed to get over the underneath defender and underneath the safety, uh, finding good touch in the soft areas. I of the felt zone. like he had one of the throws of the day towards the end of practice there to JJ. Arcega Whiteside was an opposite hash deep corner route where yep. he really had to step up and put that thing on a rope right over uh, JJ's outside shoulder along the sideline there to end one of the practice sessions and thought that was kind of one of the highlight throws and there was a lot of number two out there a lot of Cody Kessler obviously a little bit more with Sudfeld uh, out for a couple weeks so thought he put together a lot of nice things I think if you protect him and guys are getting open he can make all the throws he could put the ball where it needs to be you just obviously you need to be on the same page with the receivers, and he's starting to work with some maybe receivers and options he hasn't been accustomed yes. to working with. So just working out the chemistry and some of those kinks early on in practice, a little bit clunky, some busted plays, some snap count miscommunications. But I think as practice went on, they definitely cleaned it up. Uh, the other catch that I really liked from J.J. was in that 7-on-7 seven seven period, the first play matched up against Ronald Darby. It was yep. Darby's uh, first team action uh, of the uh, of the summer, and he just worked down the sideline. It was a it was a great catch, you know, kind of pirouetting right along the sideline, uh, got both feet in bounds. He really seems to have a savviness in knowing where to throttle down in holes yep. and where to kind of give his quarterback the best possible target to, you know, place a ball in. Well, I asked Darby about that play. I'm like, it's your first play. Hmm. You know, you've been waiting all summer to get out there. You're in 7-on-7, seven seven, and the first play is this beautiful catch along the sidelines where you're like, come on, is this what I'm coming back hmm. to? And he was like, the, they, they made a nice throw and catch. Like, you know, we were in cover two. It was a good throw along the sideline. Yep. You know, I'm 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 working my way back. That's the, the biggest thing with Darby is like, he's like, look, I'm not all the way back yet. You know, I'm still getting adjusted to it. He was out there with the brace today. You got to learn how to play without that at some point. So it's the next step. You know, he's getting closer and closer to full return. Just like we've seen from Rodney McLeod over mm-hmm. the last yep. couple of weeks where he would get on the field in seven on sevens. Now he gets in some team periods as well. So you just like to see that continuation, that progress as we work toward week one. Yeah, Rodney, I really think is starting to get back into his own, you know, self. And I see some flashes him in practice where you really start to see those instincts, the foot Mm -hmm. speed flashing when he sees it and those kind of robber rolls where he comes down or flashes out to the perimeter. I just think he's really starting to get back up to top speed. Darby, clearly a uh, listener of the podcast, not overreacting to uh, <laughs> to one play, so I will uh, give him a, a, a head <laughs> nod. Speaking of overreaction, I mean, the whole backup quarterback discussion. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's silly. I, I understand right. it's the news, right. okay? And it was, it was disappointing to see Sudfeld go down. It's great that it's his non-throwing hand, and he spoke afterwards, and he's like, look, you know, I'm going to be sidelined. It could have been a lot worse. You know, he's never broken a bone before, but, you know, he – He'll be back sooner than later. Have you guys is, broken bones? You ever broken bones? Yeah. No, I had a fracture, which I guess is a slight. That's a, that's a, that's a break. break. My yeah. elbow, but really? didn't require surgery. Yeah, finger, ring finger, playing basketball. Yeah, fingers and fingers and toes. That's all I got. Yeah. Right. So nothing, nothing so too never exciting. Never broken a bone. All right. So Nate, sorry. But the the thing is, I hope we don't see him unless it's you know right. at the end of a forty four to six blowout over the Cowboys or week seventeen when you know the division and and the buys already clinched. It's like. Come on, it's like okay, he's probably going to be back at some point in the 
first quarter, first half of the season. All right. Well, Cody Kessler's played in one games in right. National Football League. Oh, I think okay. that it speaks to the roster that this team has built, right? When you talk about Howie Roseman and the scouting staff, the front office, what they've done, uh, all the issues that they, you know, there's not a lot to freak out about right now. No. Uh, you know, we're, you know, a fourth defensive end goes down and Joe Osman, uh, uh, you know, a backup quarterback goes True. down. And it's like, we got we to gotta light the fires, get the pitchforks out, we're, we're ready to go, we're freaking <laughs> out. Um, but I, I, I think that speaks to the talent of this roster and really the construction of it because there's not a lot really that you're you're worried about. Which is good. In. There's no drama. Yeah. That's the, the biggest thing is that, you know, the chemistry has been great. You know, the injuries, not been too many so yeah. far in camp. This is ideally what you want. You, you want to get to the point where, you know, yeah, you're debating the fifth or sixth defensive end and the fifth yes. sixth wide receiver. But really starting to – I feel like more and more as the years go on, you're getting to the regular season preparation earlier and earlier where you're like making that turn where it's like, all right, we're kind of getting out of training camp mode. It's, yep. Now let's start keeping the regular season in mind in terms of preparation and the players' practice schedules and how many reps they're getting during the course of these preseason games. I just feel like the preseason, the injuries, the backup situations are polarizing debates and conversations because they're deep philosophical decisions. There's no true right way and there's no true mm. wrong way. So when you have an injury to your backup and you start to see that quarterback room maybe getting a little bit lighter, what's your philosophical approach? We need to get these guys experience, but it's also at the expense of preservation. So how much do you need them to get acclimated with the offense, the people they, they're going to be playing with, mm. getting them up to speed on the offense while also saying – He's valuable. We need to make sure he's ready and available if we need him kind of thing. And it's also the philosophical approach. We can't be preparing for the worst-case scenarios all the time. We can't say, hey, if this guy goes down or that guy goes down, what do we do? Every team is in a bad situation if their stars go down. Now, we've dealt with it before. This team and this organization has built their roster to handle these injuries, and that you know, bolstering the depth is ultimately what wins in the NFL. But why this is such a polarizing conversation is because you can make a good case for A decision and a good case for B decision, and that's why it makes for a good, you know, good discussion. All right, well, let's get to, to what we saw uh, today. I would say a couple big plays on defense, a couple big interceptions that, that stood out to me. First, uh, I believe it was the second play of the day, uh, Nate Gary blitzing off the edge. Uh, Carson Wentz attempted a screen to the outside or a quick throw to the outside. Nate was right in the throwing lane and picked it off. It was a bang-bang play, impressive hands uh, from the former college safety. 12 picks in his career, I was going to say, you got to bring up the uh, safety part when you talk about that play Well, there. he had great yeah. ball. I mean, that was one of the things I liked about Nate. That's actually why I actually still evaluated him as a safety coming out because – he played the ball really well in the air. Like he had really good coverage instincts. So, um, you know, for him to make that play, I thought was really impressive. Took it to the house, got the defense uh, juiced up, and then seven on seven. I also believe that was the second play of the seven on seven drill. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins, a, a diving interception yeah. down the field. Nice play by by both of them there. And you know, with with Gary, you know, he was the starting Mike in the game on Thursday night. Uh, Ken Flagel talked with reporters on Friday and said, you know, there, there are some good things to take away, some not so good things. It's He said that whole linebacker room is a work in progress. And again, you talk about the injuries and guys working their way back. There's been no Nigel Bradham. Kamu Gruje Hill is sidelined with the knee injury, and he was actually off crutches today walking along the mm-hmm. sideline with a brace. So that was encouraging to see. But nonetheless, at this point, you're trying to mix and match the guys to develop chemistry to try to figure out what those potential roles could be down the line. So it's part of it is you want to see from a mental standpoint, especially with that mic position because you're making the, the calls and 
Ken Flagel mm -hmm. said that Gary was outstanding, and that's never been an issue with him. Now it's just making sure that you get to the ball, you have the right run fits, and that you're making a play once you get there. I wonder how much teams are practicing and preparing for defensive communications. Can they rotate around the quarterback of the defense helmet in practices, whether it's mm. the third team, the fourth team? And obviously there's usually only one green dot helmet for the quarterback and one for the middle linebacker or whoever calls the defense. But now that Kamu's gone down and you have third, fourth stringers calling the defense, how much is that a factor in practice? Obviously not a question for you guys, just a general question maybe yeah. for Flagel if you ever got time. But how much can you practice the communication calls with different players in practice? It's kind of an interesting thought. Um any other thoughts before we uh, we move on to, to what we saw Thursday night? I mean, I to me, I watched uh, the one on ones with the offensive line, defensive line. Uh, a couple guys that I thought uh, Halapulavati Vitai had a couple of really nice reps uh, at both guard spots, uh, which was interesting because we saw him working. Actually, we saw a good amount of cross training uh, in that drill. We saw Andre Dillard get reps at left tackle and right tackle. Uh, Derek Barnett reps at left end and right end. Uh, more Matt Pryor at left tackle. Um, you know, Big V, like I said, got reps on both sides. So uh, it was fun to see those guys uh, kind of get cross-trained a little bit. Yeah, my one big takeaway is Derek Barnett just stands out on the practice field. He has a very natural flow and hustle to the ball in almost every drill, every session. He just has a natural way of finishing every rep. It's one speed. He's always going No 100. question. Yeah. And he, you always see him, whether it's 10, 15 yards downfield after a run or making sure to follow the ball that went to the opposite side of the field. And we've seen what he does on the field. Half his plays are built off a of hustle and just flowing to the ball, playing with effort. And that's where a lot of plays in the NFL are made, through effort mm. and hustle and just playing to the ball. And you never know when that ball carrier might break a tackle and gives you an opportunity to poke out a fumble or make a play down the field. I just think you see that kind of built into his football DNA, mm. even in kind of half-speed walk-through sessions. He's flowing to the ball carrier, and I just love to see that. It was fun because I wasn't really expecting him to. Like, it was kind of not that we would get a tip on that beforehand, but uh, we're watching our like first team drills. I'm like, who's the defensive end in, in pants? And I'm like, that's got to be Derek Barnett. Like, right, yes. Derek Barnett and Matt Collins are the only two guys that wear pants out of the practice field or long sleeves. So uh, I see Derek Barnett out there. I'm like, oh, all right, let's let's get going. And he, you, you're exactly right. Like, he he moves at one speed constantly. His mannerisms just stand out, yes. and you just notice it's Barnett right away. Um, anything to see back uh, to close uh, out? Shreve Miller had a uh, ball batted down at the line of scrimmage yep. during the goal line drill. It was good to see because he had some some rookie moments, some good things and some not so good things from from the game the other night, which I thought w was good. What you want to see from you, him? You were watching Ben right after that play, after the pass breakup, because uh, you were like, "All right, let's see how he does after this play." Uh, he had so a big play and then got planted on it, and it looked like he got up a little bit frustrated. Had a tight end over him on the next play and absolutely blasted Will Ty into the backfield <laughs> to get a little bit of revenge. Well, that's because he so he jumped yeah. up to deflect the pass and Andre Diller when he had him up uh, up in the air. Threw yeah, him down, you know, just threw like him you're down. taught as tackles, you right, know, you get exactly. them off their feet, you typically give them a paw and try to knock them down, yep. and he got the pass and also got knocked down. So next play, pay. next play, he came back with a little something extra cool. for yep. the tight end there. And, uh, um, some good things from Deshaun Jackson in practice. Sure. You see him working on a jet sweep uh, down the red zone. He had a beautiful catch oh. and grab. Great, diving yep. at the goal line and uh, John Ferrari from Football Operations running over, signaling the, the touchdown. Yeah, that was great so play. fans love that. Yeah, absolutely great to see from him. And then after practice, he and JJ Ortega Whiteside were working together for probably close to a half an hour. I feel like the most of the players had cleared. What are they doing? Coach Peterson, what's that? What are they doing? Ra route concepts, mm. just 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 work on little intricacies of the game. Just mm. you know, Deshaun actually. Carson Walsh, the wide receivers coach, said on Friday that 
in the last couple of weeks, Deshaun's taken a much more vocal leadership role mm-hmm. in that room. And he's been trying to teach things. If he sees something on film, he'll be the first person to point something out that something's not right or you could do it a different way. Mm. And and the players, have, you know, the younger guys at this point have grown up watching Deshaun. Right. So they're like, all right, this is the guy who we idolize and love watching make dynamic plays for the Eagles back in the day. It's like, if he says to do this and he's made in the league for 12 years, then I'm going to do what, what he says. So, um, But it's great to see him imparting that wisdom. It, it's a much, it's definitely a much more mature Deshaun Jackson than we're seeing from his first iteration here in Philadelphia. And, you know, Carson Watts was also asked just about, well, you have one ball and you have all these talented guys who have made big plays and put big numbers in their career. And Carson Watts, like, they want to win. Like, yep, it's, it's about legacy building at this point. They're trying to get wins, get Super Bowls. Like, they've done the individual stuff. It's now time to stack, you know, the things that matter, the rings. Yeah, one last thing, just while watching practices, you kind of take this for granted. For about half the team, they're in the thick of it now. They're in the grind. They just played 50, 60 snaps two days ago. They had treatment yesterday. They had film sessions. They're almost in that kind of routine of an NFL season. And for some of these guys that may be on the practice squad, maybe won't be NFL players in a couple weeks, this is kind of their time to show their day-to-day work ethic, how you can recover after having played considerable amount, how well you practice after maybe being a little dinged up or injured or how well you are in the film room and correcting your mistakes. So for guys like Jordan Mulata, who played a lot of snaps the other night, right out here in practice, once again playing all over the offensive line, it's just something to keep in mind when watching these guys. It's hot out there. You have to keep in mind, some of them just played a game two days ago, and you forget that, hey, they're in the full routine of an NFL player right now. Well, speaking of the routine, uh, it was good to get back into the saddle of doing the uh, the post-game Eagle Eye in the Sky articles. Yep. Uh, so Ben and I put that put those together yesterday. Uh, ben obviously doing uh, all the artwork, all the doodles, as we, as we like to refer to them, the uh, the telestrations uh, on those plays. So that you can check out that article I wrote about the uh, the young defensive linemen. So Josh Sweat and Deshaun Hall and Trayvon Hester, uh, Sharif Miller, that whole group and what they did on Thursday night. Uh, that is up now on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. A little different approach. For the column this year, yeah, it'll be a little bit shorter, so more digestible pieces. So it'll be a little bit shorter to get through, but there'll be more pieces throughout the course of the week. So uh, I also feel like the tone of the team and the roster in the preseason makes for kind of different tones of the articles, right? You know, and the way we're projecting, there aren't as many young people that say, you know, how does this guy look? He's going to have a major role this year. Really, aren't those guys? So just kind of projecting, you know, who may be that journeyman third stringer that has a spot on the team and. Maybe a guy that will fit on the practice squad. What did he show us? Yep. And you can kind of pick and choose your film battles in the preseason. Well, let's talk more about the game before we get into it. Uh, just a quick reminder, best way to support the show. And we appreciate everybody that, pr- that promotes it on social media. Give us the likes and the retweets and everything like that. But uh, the best way, go on wherever you listen to podcasts, namely Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Give us a rating. Give us a comment. Leave a question on there. We'll answer it here on the show. But that is the number one way as we're getting closer and closer to the start of the regular season and fans like you are looking for more content like this. That helps boost us up the rankings, make us more visible to those people. So anything you can do to give us those ratings, those comments, really appreciate it. I wanted to give a shout-out to Iowa Johnson and Greensboro uh, for both going on, leaving five-star ratings and saying how much they're enjoying the show on a daily basis. Really appreciate both of you guys out there. All right, uh, let's get into the game. So we talked a little bit about some of the things we saw. Um, I guess I'll just start things off with... Uh, a little bit, because I, I want you to go and read the article, a little bit of what I saw uh, from those young defensive linemen. I think with um, with Josh Sweat, 
look, we saw another stage in the development, right? And one of the things that I was just telling CMAC this morning, I wish I did a better job of showing some of the examples of Josh stringing multiple pass rush moves together because that was something I didn't quite show in the article, but you saw examples of him trying to just continuing to put it together. That was one of the big questions I had with him coming out of Florida State was, look, he can defend the run. He's a big, strong kid. He looks the part. He can defend the run. He plays with a high motor. He tested off the charts, so the athletic potential was there. Mm. Just continue to put it together as a pass rusher because there were just flashes of that at Florida State. And I love the fact that the steps that he's taken really over the last calendar year to improve his craft in that area. Yeah, but on, on the converse of that, you want to string multiple moves together when you need multiple moves. That's what I mean. Yes, so when his correct. primary move, like that long arm, is winning first and foremost, he doesn't need to go long arm, arm over move, spin back yes. inside. So it's nice that, yes, he did have some moves that he strung yep. together, but his most successful rushes were on his primary move, and he got home. So I felt like it was worthy to highlight those plays. I had a lot of people uh, hitting me up on Twitter during the game saying, oh, he's not getting any push. You know, He's going against backups. Uh, he's going up against a three-time Pro Bowl left tackle and <laughs> Taylor Lewan. He was working with the second team with Tennessee because he's going to be suspended for the first four weeks. They want Dennis Kelly to work with the starters. There's continuity there. So Taylor Lewan getting the backup. So it was good to see Josh Sweat getting matched up against a top-tier talent. It's funny that he has the perception of being this elite pass rusher because of the athleticism and the, and the profile and the body type. Five-star recruit, number one yeah, game in the country. But you mentioned that yep. it's like, you know, first and foremost, his bread and butter has been, he's been a good run defender. Really good okay? run defender. And yep. that'll get him on the field. And again, we're not looking, you know, fans were excited to see him and, you know, they heard about the great things he's been doing during camp. But it's like, again, at the end of the day, now you got Barnett coming back, back to the mix. You got BG, you got Vinnie Curry. He's going to be your fourth and at best, most likely. You only need... 10 snaps. I mean, if you look at the snaps, I, w- I was charting this not too long ago that in the playoffs, the Eagles just went with three defensive ends. Yeah. All right. They didn't even, they didn't even have a fourth defensive end. Deshaun Hall wasn't getting reps, you know, in those playoff games. And too. keep in mind, too, that those extra defensive end snaps, a lot of that was spent in nickel where one That's would true. slide inside. You know, and now with Malik Jackson in the fold, you may not need that extra defensive end in those packages to come in. So, you know, Malik Jackson's going to take some snaps from those defensive ends. And that's the thing, it's just. We're all we're excited about a lot of these young guys, but yes. I to me like and we we've talked about this and and Ben you and I have talked about it too. It's like all right, like with young players, especially you know the, the the guys that aren't first and second round picks, like let those guys develop, give them time to work into it. Even the first and second round picks, a lot of the times they need time. Not everybody's going to be an Avante Maddox that could step right in and you know play three different positions in eight games and and, and be a, a good player for you. Dallas Goddard in year two as an All Pro talent, like it's it's hard to find those guys. So everybody else, you got you got to let them develop. Let let you know be a little bit patient. They're not going to be All Pros out of the box. No, they're not. And we also don't always know what they're going through in the film room well, yeah. with technique. You could be the second overall pick, but if you're a two-point stance tackle and you come to the NFL and they want you to be a three-point stance tackle, there's a learning curve. There's a development developmental curve as well. So we don't always know what they're working on or what the subtle changes they had to make in their game that could be affecting their play and just take some time to get comfortable. Uh, you were very excited about what we saw from the first couple series with Dallas Goddard in this game. Kind of uh, painted a nice picture of what he is. I wasn't sure if we were going to transit. You mentioned Dallas Goddard, and I'm like, that's like one of the other big highlights. I didn't know if we were sticking defense and then yeah, no, we're just bouncing around. Yeah, it was right. nice to see Goddard kind of pick goes. up right where he left off last season. I saw him win against zone coverage. I saw him win against man coverage, whether that was a linebacker, whether that was a safety. And once again, good effort, intensity, and finish in the run game blocking. So yeah. kind of the full package, picking up right off uh, his rookie season that we were very impressed with. So I expect very, very big things from Dallas Goddard in 2019. What's interesting is he said after the game that typically he's not defended by a linebacker. Mm. 
Mm. So it was sort of uh, an adjustment period for him. You know, obviously you're going against another team, but different ways that teams are going to challenge mm -hmm. that 12 personnel this season. And it was good to see the Eagles mixing in 11 and 12 throughout. It would be in the middle of a series, and you would go one play with one formation, sure. one with, with the other. Uh, and it goes back to we've had this conversation multiple times. How much 12 personnel are the Eagles going to play? Or is it a situation with these two talented tight ends? You can ease the workload of Zach Ertz mm -hmm. and just do more 11 with Dallas Scott on the field. Even though I forget who said this, that when the Eagles play 12 personnel with you know Zach Ertz and Dallas Scott, it's almost like a glorified 11 personnel yeah. just because of the pass-catching abilities that they bring to the table. Well, and that's what I think the Eagles would hope that some teams – if some teams may walk in and say, we're treating this like 11 and we're going to play nickel. Okay. That's like let's get Jordan Howard running. Let's get let's get Miles Sanders running yeah. downhill uh, and see if your nickel corner can tackle. Defenses have to make some business decisions yeah. with defending the Eagles and how you classify certain weapons. Yep. And when you have the JG Ortega White sides of the world and multiple tight ends and big backs and it could be a spread down the field offense until it's not until if it's a right. thirteen yeah. personnel and you have a between the tackles downhill bowling ball like Jordan Howard and suddenly you're getting power football down the field. Yep. And it's just great to have multiple identities throughout the offense. It's great that you mentioned Jordan Howard because a lot of people, I feel, are saying Miles Sanders has looked so great, and he's flashed. He's, no question. Been very impressive in practice. Don't get me wrong. But like it makes it seem like Jordan Howard's like off to the wayside. Like you know They're going by the reps from the game the other night. Oh, Jordan Howard got more of a workload than Miles Sanders. You know, does that mean that what there are – What does that already, mean? Yeah, right. You know, does that mean Miles Sanders is already really the primary back? No, there's such a role for Jordan Howard in this offense, a perfect role. You talked about you know what kind of mentality, what kind of identity this team is going to be. You can have multiple ones because you have such diverse personnel and talented personnel. Mm. So, look – I, I hope Miles Sanders blows up and you know fulfills the promise that we've seen early in training camp. But at the same time, for this offense to be, you know, I'm almost going back to 2017 here, where you had each back kind of had like a defined role. You know, I look at Jordan Howard as like a Legarrette Blunt type, where you know, 100 percent, and yeah. you just did not have that in the offense, and you needed it at times in the offense last year. So I I, I feel that there's some people I feel like they're starting to dismiss Jordan Howard. Mm. Not the case whatsoever. And whether it's red zone, short yardage, or just the fourth quarter. Just oh, running yeah. against defenses and wanting to tackle these big 225, 230 running backs in the fourth quarter. Man, that's a grind. There's no stat for it. There's no metric to measure how much the defense wants it or not. It's just a load to tackle throughout the game. And if we have a lead in the fourth quarter and we're pounding these big backs, it's not easy to keep bringing these guys down. And we saw you know, in late games in 2017, whether it was that Chargers game yeah, great with, point. with Blunt running free in the fourth yep. quarter, just you stay committed to it, it's, it's tough for defenses. All right, well, let's get to some of the other things, some of the other takeaways from Thursday night. Uh, offensive line, obviously, was a, a big topic of discussion coming out of the game. You have Andre Dillard, his first NFL action. Jordan Mailata, his first action since a year ago last summer. Uh, Matt Pryor, you know, how's he going to look? So uh, just overall thoughts, I guess, uh, on that group. And really, if there are any other guys in that offensive line that caught your eye. Yeah, I really thought uh, Andre Dillard put together some good reps there. And he played yep. 40 or 50 snaps there at left tackle. Once again, just balanced, smooth move, mover and uh, pass protection. Um, uh, thought he looked pretty well out there at left tackle. Again, Malata, I think he played the most snaps on offense over there at right tackle. Again, very impressive stuff he put out on tape for having only played football for his second season and uh, playing against some pretty good competition. I know he played uh, 
I'm not sure who they had up left defensive end of the Titans the other night. Sharif Finch, oh, was, Finch, playing, yeah, yeah, Sharif yeah. Finch was playing a little bit there. They, they were moving some guys around. Uh, I thought both guys put some good stuff out on tape. You know, Dillard, to me, like we know about his feet, his hands were really good. Like, and and really how good. immediately he replaces his hands yeah. when he gets them knocked down, how quickly he gets yep. them right back inside. That's just absolute offensive line porn. And I know uh, Jeff Statlin's very impressed with his feet and his hand usage. We'll be uh, we'll be getting into that in an Eagle Eye in the Sky article for Monday. Keep an eye out. See, a nice little tease right there. Matt Pryor, okay? I feel like there was one video clip that went around on Twitter. It's that time of year, yeah. That shows, but it, it's good. You know, like you put out the thing of Keyshawn Johnson in Arizona right, yes. that blew up and he showed the beautiful route that he ran and you were a big fan of his you know down at the uh, the senior ball and trying game uh, and it's you know it's paying off now for the Cardinals but like Matt Pryor you put a bad clip out there and it's like oh, is this guy even going to make the team right. Matt Pryor's playing four positions four, every position but center yep. okay he's showing the versatility that he can bring to this team Jeff Statlin was very pleased with his hand usage we've talked about the strength he has in his hands you know but it's so difficult in the middle of a game that you get your footwork set to play left side of the line. Now I got to go to the right side of the line. Or right, if I'm playing guard, then it's like guys are going to be coming at me much quicker than if I'm playing outside a tackle. It's such a different mindset to play all these different positions, and it's it's showing the value that hopefully he can bring to the team if he makes it to the to the final 53. Because you need guys throughout the course season who can. Hey, if he's active on game day. We may need a tackle. We may need you to come and play guard. You need guys who, who are able to do that. One thing that I just want to throw in real quickly. We've talked a lot about, you know, uh, you know, the very first episode we did this in the training with the, the driving range, right? So, you know, you never know what teams are working through, exactly. what players are going through. With preseason games, and I, I'm not I'm going to say one play or another, but with preseason games, a lot of teams around the league. Ben and I were watching some teams from, you know, just around the NFL yesterday, and, you know, we're looking at it and we're like, what, what is the offense doing here? So often, teams are going to call a play. And the quarterback's not audibling. They're not checking out of anything. They're not flipping the play. If the defense lines up in a way where it's like, man, this is really a bad look to run this play into, they're still going to run it because yeah. the coaches either, A, don't want to give away anything from an audible standpoint, they don't want to do have the quarterback do anything, or B, they want to see how the, how these guys react to it. It's going to be a bad look. All right, what's the running back going to do? What's the what's the pulling guard going to do when he's faced with two defenders in a hole, or he's you know this guy comes free? What's what is he going to do? How is he going to react defensively? Same deal. Hey, it's a cover two corner, and they've 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 got three receivers over to that side. How is he going to react? Uh, to me, like that that's part of it, and that's why you can't completely judge everything you see training camp and preseason. Yeah, preseason you're going to see the, some of the more vanilla philosophies and concepts. You know, just by default, you don't want to show your whole playbook yeah. and all the exotic stuff. But conversely, it's some of the toughest tape to analyze because there's so many missed assignments, confusions, busted assignments, wrong routes that you have to kind of like watch it with a side eye and try to figure out what were they supposed to do. And in defense on certain plays, like that Matt Pryor clip going around Twitter, that was a busted blocking assignment. There was two linebackers in the hole, and his eyes kind of went back and forth on who to block, and next thing you know, a backer came downhill and blasted him. So there's a lot Where of Where there shouldn't have been two linebackers in the no hole. That's question. what you're saying. Somebody the whole else play was, was busted. Yeah. Somebody else messed it up. He had two guys. His eyes went in the wrong place. A linebacker was aggressive, yep. and he's the fool on social media. But there's those types of instances all the time, whether it's running backs going the wrong way, guys running the wrong route. It's a lot of fun because you see literally everything <laughs> you could possibly want to see on a football field in what preseason. What was the one that he posted yesterday from, uh, from Green Bay? 
I think it was a running back and a right tackle, like literally thinking they had the oh, right yeah, guys, yeah, and they right, each right. switched at the same time, yeah. and they blocked nobody. Uh, it's also funny, you get some instances, I mean, Ryan Bates played left tackle all camp, and suddenly you see him at right tackle in the game, and a guy's shoe falls off, and suddenly they're yelling at someone to go into a position he's never played right, before. Yep. It's like you practice, 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 and then the game hits, and then there's bolts flying, and things happen, and coaches are cursing, and a guy's hurt, and it's get in there, I don't care who you are, and right. sometimes it looks that way on tape it's a bit of a fire drill yep, at times no question uh some veterans i thought uh the new guys i thought kind of flashed a little bit and this will be an article uh for this weekend but hmm. one guy uh lj fort i thought flashed in the game uh, on thursday made some play there were a couple really nice plays defeating blocks downhill uh one play he made along the sideline i thought was impressive and that was good to see because of all the linebackers honestly that played i thought he was the guy and he played a lot of snaps yeah but he was the guy that flashed most to me on the thursday night also showed some things in coverage as well yeah. Um, no, but, well, he had a sack today in a, on a blitz uh, mm-hmm. in practice as well. So he's a guy that, you know, career underdog. I think going back, his first NFL game was against the Eagles. Cleveland Browns, in yep. 2012, mm-hmm. I believe. Yep. I mean, that shows you how long he's been surviving and making it in the league, but it wasn't until this past season, 2018, with Pittsburgh, where he finally got on the field for meaningful, meaningful snaps on defense. It's been seven years. I think he's been cut or released, for, was it 14 times? It's something oh. ridiculous like that. So, But seeing a guy who's been through the fire, has experienced the ups and downs of this league, you know, he knows, he knows what it's like to play in the preseason. Yeah. Okay, He knows that this is his best opportunity. He was signed here to hopefully – you know, contend for a spot on defense, if not be a valuable core player on special teams. And, uh, you know, he put he put out a pretty good showing. On, you know, it's, it's those bodies that make up the bottom of the Eagles roster. And it's so fun to see in a preseason game when other teams are going to play, are going to have the rookies and the undrafted free agents and some wide-eyed players out there. It's the second half, and we have Orlando Skandrick Great out point. there, a 10-year veteran, LJ mm-hmm. Forts of the world, Zach Browns of the world, CFL players, professionals that have been playing the game for three, four, five-plus years – playing in the second half of a preseason game. Yep. This is just the makeup of our roster, whether it's the Trayvon Hesters and Bruce Hectors of the world. You don't really have a lot of those rookies to evaluate. Some on the offensive line, Sharif Miller here and there. You know, there are some guys, but collectively, the bottom of the roster are pretty established veteran presences. I mean, look what they what the Eagles did on, uh, on what's today? Is Saturday. Today's so Saturday. So what they did on Friday, uh, trading for Eli Harold. I mean, a right guy up. that was a former third-round pick yeah. right by the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Um, had a couple sacks last year for Detroit. Uh, he's been around the league and is an established you know, veteran uh, in the NFL to come in and compete and, and you know bring the most out of the rest of that young defensive line, uh, we'll see what he's got. Yeah, I kind of wonder what the f- mentality is of a guy like Skandrick, who's been in the league for 10 years, former pro bowler, has obviously earned his right and has a reputation of being a solid defensive back. What is it like coming back and having to earn a roster spot, playing in the second half of a preseason game? How humbling is that? Or are you still in that competitive veteran mode? You know what? It's football, and I want to be out there anytime I can be out there. Kind of just a different psyche for some of these players, yeah. and and like we were kind of talking about off camera, players are coming here to win. I mean, yep. players aren't coming here to pad their stats and make a Pro Bowl and run, you know, run for a thousand yards. Guys are coming here to rally together to win a Super Bowl, and that's kind of the roster, and that's yep. the bottom of the roster of the guys competing for those last couple spots. Uh, anything else before we uh, put a bow on this thing? Uh, I'm trying to think from the game wise. You know, I thought Seffield looked nice running the offense in the he first did. half. Yep. You know, look comfortable in pocket, good on the move, the beautiful touch pass on the deep ball to mm-hmm. Mark and Michelle for the score. I mean, that was like the big play highlight there. But, 
you know, a couple big, a couple big blocks in the offensive line on that play, by the way. Mm-hmm. Keep an eye out for yeah, that. Look at Keep that. an eye out for that. Well, the one thing I was going to highlight and kind of preview the article is I love when the second and third units come in and they just look exactly like the first unit. Right. And they, they ran some of the classic Eagles run schemes, and the second and third unit guys looked kind of like Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks. So another couple plays we'll highlight there of some of the young players. Look at that. Couple teases for uh, for Monday, <laughs> so you can keep an eye out for that. He's uh, all over the place. Eagle Eye in the Sky article uh, to come for Monday. All right, uh, I think that'll do it. Uh, another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. Again, the number one way to support the show. Go give us a rating, leave us a comment, leave us a question. We'll answer it here. We have a, a handful more of these of these daily pr- uh, training camp practice recaps. As long as we're, the media is out of practice for the full session, we'll be here to uh, to break it all down. Until then, we will see you tomorrow right here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade.